What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Fortune. OK Davis here with you on this fine Tuesday. Excited. I'm all in for week one of the NFL. I'll get into my predictions for the upcoming season, who will represent the AFC and the NFC as champs going into the Super Bowl, and I will make my Super Bowl predictions. I'm happy about this weekend in college football for the ACC. Talk about my University of Pittsburgh Panthers and the Florida State Seminoles' dramatic win there. And the U.S. Open. Some drama in a good way for DMV's own Francis Tiafo. Then saying goodbye to Serena Williams. But you know what? You know, I was trying to think about what I want to start with. I'm going ahead and start with tennis. And uh, I will also get to baseball a little bit as well. I want to forget that. Because uh, I almost did. Almost did. Um, but I'm going to start with tennis. And a story that disturbed me a little bit. And it probably shouldn't have. But it actually hurt me to the core. In all of the talk about this being the final U.S. Open, final Grand Slam, final time that we'll see Serena Williams playing in the U.S. Open. Oh, she's the GOAT. Greatest of all time. There's a story out about Margaret Court that stunned me. Stunned me for multiple reasons. And I know you're like, what? You're starting just for sport talking about Margaret Court? I feel bad. I feel bad at the lack of respect even for myself and others have been given to Margaret Court. You've heard me on this show say several times, I think Serena Williams is the greatest ever. The fact that of the 24 Grand Slams for Margaret Court, 11 of them were from the Australian Open, which means she was playing at home, if you will. And Margaret Court fired back in multiple ways. But the part that hurt the most is to hear Margaret Court in an interview she gave to Britain's Daily Telegraph, doesn't talk much. But she said, quote, Serena, I admired her as a player, but I don't but I don't think she has ever admired me. End quote. And that made me sad. Because I do think as I've read multiple stories of Serena as she was playing in three singles matches and one doubles match with Venus that they lost in the first round, everything was all about Serena. Her opponents had to watch you know, pre-game after pre-game after pre-game pomp and circumstance and, you know, oh, bowing down to Serena and Oprah Winfrey and Queen Latifah and Gail King all giving praise to Serena one way or another, all of the celebrities in her box, all of that stuff. Good for Serena. But when I read a little bit more of this story and some of the things that Margaret Court said, it really made me sad that they didn't mention her name. 
in the fact that Margaret Court brought up several things that she may not have brought it up herself. Maybe someone fed her this information, but it's all legit stats. And again, it stunned me. Serena Williams played seven more years in Margaret Court. Remember when I talked about how Novak isn't on Rafa's level because Rafa missed 12 Grand Slams to... The, uh, excuse me, to Novak Djokovic's, well, four now because he missed this U.S. Open. Think about that. Serena Williams played in 28 more Grand Slam tournaments than Margaret Court. 28. 28 more chances to win a Grand Slam than Margaret Court. She retired... At 25, Margaret Court did. She took two years off. Very similar to Ashley Barty, who's also from Australia. Yes, Margaret Court's from Australia. She got married, had a baby, and then came back and won 24 out of 25 tournaments. Margaret Court even brought up that she had a better record than Serena after having a kid. She said, quote, I came back after two babies. After having the first baby, I won three out of the four slams. Serena hasn't won a slam since having a baby, end quote. Two babies Margaret Court had. She was still winning slams. She even felt like she was sad. She said another quote. I often hear Billie Jean King saying that people didn't come down to Australia in my early, early years. And then, end quote. And then Margaret Court goes on to name all of these top players, including world number ones that came down to Australia. And the last thing that made me think about, like, yeah, it is different. And it's almost unfair to take this record away from Margaret Court. She had to play by herself when she traveled. There was no box with Tiger Wood in it. Excuse me, Tiger Woods. Can't even say his name right. Russell Wilson and Sierra in it. Venus Williams and the family and the mom all cheering Serena on. There was none of that for Margaret. She said... Quote, how I would love to have taken family or friends along with me, but I couldn't. I had to go on my own or with the national team. People don't see all that. We didn't have psychologists or coaches with us. It's a whole different world. That's what disappoints me, that players don't honor the past of the game. End quote. And maybe if and when Serena reads this story, she may make a comment that says, you know what, I did not give enough credit to Margaret Court. I have basked in my glory and never really understood the past or respected it, gave enough homage to it. To think that all the athletes have today to kind of keep them up physically and mentally. And Margaret Court was doing it by herself. So that really, that really touched me. That really made me think like, wow, that's kind of messed up. 
I just never really thought about it like that. Didn't know it. Didn't care to know it. And now that I do know it. Yep, Serena, you didn't get to 24. You didn't get to 25. And so it is fair that we say Margaret Court is the best. And the funny thing is, on the men's side, you know, Rafa's got 22. But when Novak catches him, and I think Novak could win probably... I'm going to say 24. Rafa may not be done. Rafa may not be done. But, you know, when you think of Grand Slam champions, you know, we talk about this open era understandably so but it's also crazy to think that you've I read that Ken Rosenwall actually has 23 major titles and even he was coming out saying well hold up I actually won more. Won more than Rafa. But if Novak Djokovic, which I think if Rafa, you know, maybe this is it for Rafa. But I imagine it's not because as long as Novak Djokovic is playing, I think Rafa is going to continue to try to play. Ken Rosen, Rosewall, also from Australia. So Australia is really pushing pushing that narrative. Don't be hating on us in our tennis game. And I tell you what, I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. Now, staying with tennis greats, Rafa Nadal lost in a great match to the American, Francis Tiafo. Now, he's not just an American. He Not only is he from the DMV, but when my son started playing tennis, we kind of fallen off from Taj playing tennis. I got to get him back in it. Tiafo trained at the same camp or uh, tennis club that my son played at. So a couple times we would see him practice there. I would point out Francis to my son. Look at him playing over there. Maybe someday that can be you. Taj hasn't quite caught on with tennis yet, but the other day he asked me about, hey, am I going to start playing tennis again? And so I got to get him back into it. Shout out to the JTCC. 
the Junior Tennis Champion Center on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., not far from University of Maryland. That's right. That's where Francis trains. And it was cool to think that my son trained there too. But this ain't about my son. This ain't about me. The tears from Francis's eyes. And then some people were texting me like, yo, the Wizards are in the box. Bradley Beal's in the box supporting Francis. I was like, okay, that's cool. Way to go, DMV. That made me happy to see him supporting Francis. That's really important. It's more than just Beal in the box, but you know, that's that's like the new thing. Everybody's gotta be in the box. And I just like to see it. That was pretty cool. I'm happy for him. And he didn't just win a match. He ended Rafa Nadal's 22-match Grand Slam winning streak. Tiafo saying, quote, I felt like the world stopped. I couldn't hear anything for a minute. In beating Nadal 6-4-4-6-6-4-6-3 in the win over the number two seed in the fourth round at Flushing Meadows. I'm so happy for him. His parents immigrated to the U.S. from Sierra Leone in West Africa. His dad was working at the JTCC, and that's how Francis got a tennis racket in his hand. And built up a career. He's the youngest player since Andy Roddick in 2006 to get this far in the U.S. Open. And you know the funny thing for me that I feel like it made me think about my son and what I've done. Like, does my son have it too easy? Does he not recognize the things that he is afforded by us having a pretty decent lifestyle for him? We're able to provide more things for him. Unlike TFO's parents... where his parents worked two jobs, overtime through the nights. And here he is on the biggest stage playing the greatest player ever. And now he can say he beat Rafa. Rafa said, the difference is easy. I played a bad match. He played a good match. At the end, that's it. And this was really yesterday, which is a shame. I wish I could have seen this this match more than last night. But I watched Nick Kyrgios beat the number one seed, Daniil Medvedev. So there will definitely be a a champion you didn't expect to win the U.S. Open. There's no doubt about that. 
be interested to see how things play out. Nick Kyrgios is now the favorite to win it all at plus 150. I said maybe look at Casper Ruud. It's all up in the air now. But what shouldn't be up in the air as I end on tennis here is I don't understand how they're still playing tennis at night the way that they are. Yesterday, the match started at like 10.30 between Marin Chilich and Carlos Alcaraz Garcia. And no, we're not talking about them playing on the West Coast where it's 7 o'clock. No, they started playing at 10.30 at night. Ah, we got to fix this. I know they're trying to cram a bunch of matches in the prime time, but come on. I mean, tennis that's going to end at 1 a.m.? Nah, that's, that's just not cool. I just don't get it. I just, you know, yeah, okay, every player can't play on the Arthur Ashe court. That's just going to be the way it is. But the matches are just going too late. And that's the one thing I'd like to fix. I like that this U.S. Open coaches, if I'm flipping it, and something I do like is that coaches can kind of, you know, coach a little bit, give hand gestures, talk to the players when they're on their side of the court. But I don't like the late matches. Like, this is just too late. Just too late. What's just getting started is the National Football League. And I am all in for week one, as Robert Griffin III once, I think it was actually a tweet. I'm excited to get the season started. The defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams are hosting the favorites this year to win the Super Bowl in the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to buy it. That's going to be a Thursday night matchup, and that's going to be a doozy. As it stands, the spread is favored for the Bills at minus two and a half. I'm not going to make my pick, but uh, I'm thinking the Rams. I'll make my official pick on Thursday. My official pick will be on Thursday. But realistically, as, as we're looking at the season and there are a lot of games I want to see. I'm not going to get into, oh, I want to see this game and that game. I mean, realistically, yeah, there, there's some good ones. But I'm looking at the big picture. I'm not going to get into the weeds on you on Just for Sport. Now, I want to start with what I think is the toughest division in football this year, and that is the AFC West. We got the Denver Broncos with a new quarterback in Russell Wilson. We got Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. You know what he can do. The San Diego Chargers and Justin Herbert. 
dynamic offense, still suspect of the head coach. I'm always going to keep that in the back of my mind. I don't like his late game calls. I don't know about that coach. He's on the hot seat in my mind. And the Raiders. Derek Carr. Can't say enough about him. Got some new weapons. Las Vegas. That's that's the division that I'm excited to watch the division games. But like to think that all of those teams could, you would think that if they weren't in this division, may have a winning record, maybe vying for the Super Bowl. But note, they're all jumbled up, the four of them, in one AFC West. That's the, the division that I think is most exciting to watch. Now, I'm not going to disparage in the AFC. The Colts with Jonathan Taylor, I think they're still pretty good. The Titans, Derrick Henry, if he can carry that team. Remember, he got injured last year, came back for the playoffs, couldn't get it done in that uh, first divisional playoff matchup. The Steelers and Mike Tomlin outside of the Ben Roethlisberger era. I don't know. This might be that first season. They end up with a losing record. That's quite possible. Mitch Trubisky is a starter there. Lamar Jackson's got something to prove. He still can't get that big contract. And the Bengals. I know you forgot about them. They were playing in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Joe Burrow, arguably the coolest quarterback in the NFL by some standards, mostly with fashion. Mostly with fashion. And then lastly, I don't want to forget about the Bills. Yeah, they're the favorite. They are indeed the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 550. All right. Yep. If you're uh, better, you can go on ahead and you can take your favorite. But I'm going to have a few sleepers. I'm going to have a few sleepers. In the NFC. My Washington Commanders, I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope I don't have to say go back from whence you came to Carson. And I feel like we're going to have to say that. Terry uh, McLaurin, oh boy, I just, I hope his talent's not wasted. But that division with the Cowboys who have the easiest schedule, in the easiest conference in my mind, I think the Cowboys are going to run away with it. I think the Cowboys are going to run away with it. NFC North? Eh, I don't know. NFC South? Nothing excites me. Tom Brady's back. But the NFC West, like the AFC West, is going to be pretty tough. I don't know about the Seahawks with Geno Smith at quarterback. But Trey Lance with the 49ers, his first year under center, got the best offensive lineman in the game, and Trent Williams, and arguably the best offensive weapon in Debo Samuel. We'll see what he can do there. The Los Angeles Rams are back to defend their title, their Super Bowl championship title, and the Cardinals. I don't know. They faltered towards the end of the year in my mind. I think they may have peaked. Kyler Murray at quarterback, small quarterback. We'll see if he can stay injury-free. 
That's going to be interesting. I'm going to quickly go down my division winners, then my conference winners, and Super Bowl, starting with the NFC East. Eagles at plus 150, Cowboys at plus 150, Commanders plus 500, Giants plus 800. I'm going with the Cowboys at plus 150. Buffalo Bills minus 240. I'm not even concerning myself with the other three teams in that division. You take the Bills at minus 240. AFC South, Colts minus 130. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, it doesn't matter now. I'm going with it. I'm looking at DraftKings and they're jumping all over the place. AFC South, Colts minus 130. Titans plus 175, Jaguars plus 750, Texans plus 3,000. I'm taking the Titans at plus 175. NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, take them at minus 250. Don't even pay attention to the rest of the, the division. AFC North, Ravens plus 140, Bengals plus 170, Browns plus 380, Steelers plus 1,000. That's a tough call. I think the Ravens have a lot to prove, mostly Lamar Jackson. I think the Bengals want to prove that they are here to stay. And I'm staying with the, even though I rocked the DMV, I'm not going to act like I'm a Ravens fan per se. I'm taking the Bengals at plus 170. AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs are favored at plus 175. Chargers at plus 220. Broncos plus 260. Las Vegas Raiders plus 650. I'm going with the Chargers at plus 220. I know I don't know about that head coach. Maybe he learned a lesson from last year, but I'm going with the Chargers. NFC North, Packers minus 175. Just take them. No need to pay attention to the Vikings at plus 250, Lions, or Bears. And NFC West, Rams plus 130, 49ers plus 150, Cardinals plus 400, Seahawks plus 2,000. I'm taking the Rams at plus 130. Look, let me tell you something. In San Francisco, if Jimmy Garoppolo was still the quarterback, I may actually say I'll still take the 49ers at plus 150. And I know it hurts to go against my guys, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, but I'm taking the Rams at plus 130. Conference winners. Who you got? Who you got in the conference? Buccaneers are the favorite to win the NFC at plus 330 with the Packers behind them at plus 400. Rams plus 550. 49ers plus 750. Unless they're going to prove me wrong, I think I'm taking the Rams at plus 550. I don't know about whatever the reports are in Tampa Bay. The fact that Tom Brady had to take some time off uh, with Green Bay. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm never going to believe in what they're doing in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers' track record is proven. And Rams, I think they're, they're, you know, on a mission to go back-to-back. And I'm sticking with the Rams at plus 550 as an NFC Conference winner. In the AFC, the Bills are plus 280. The Chiefs are plus 550. Chargers plus 750. Broncos plus 900. And let me back up. If I had to give a sleeper, Rams at plus 550. I'm taking the Cowboys at plus 1,000. With that easy schedule, we'll see. You know, maybe they may coast right into the playoffs. But I, don't, I mean, maybe it's at 49ers are a sleeper, but not with a rookie I mean, second-year quarterback. I'm just not buying it. AFC Conference. Bills are plus 280. I could buy them as a favorite. I can. 
I think the Chiefs got something to prove at plus 550. But if I had to say, no, what number am I going to take? My sleeper pick is actually... The Titans at plus 2,000. I think if Derrick Henry didn't get hurt, you... You were looking at a team. At one point, they had the best record in the NFL. And I think they are really good. And if they can stay healthy, I think they could do it. But also, if you wanted another pick, I could also see the Bengals at plus 1,200 getting back there. They got some offensive weapons for Joe Burrow, and they got a decent defense. So those are my picks to win the AFC and the NFC Conference. I'm going with the Rams. Well, actually, I, I gave a sleeper, and then I gave a secondary pick. You know what? I'm going to go Rams-Chargers in all L.A. Super Bowl. Now, here's one thing that I want you to think about. If you look up where the 2020 Super Bowl is going to be, okay? The 2023 Super Bowl will be in Arizona. Now, the past two years, the team that hosted the Super Bowl won Tampa Bay and then the Rams. And it's tough, but I just don't see that trend holding true in the Cardinals. But if you think it can, you can get the Cardinals at plus 2,000 to win the Super Bowl. I'm not buying it. You got the Buffalo Bills at plus 550 to win the Super Bowl. Buccaneers at plus 700. Kansas City Chiefs at 1,000. Packers at 10 to 1. Rams 12 to 1. Chargers 14 to 1. 49ers 16 to 1. I think everything being equal, I'm going with the Rams at 12 to 1. And my sleeper pick, if you want a deep sleeper to win the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, just throwing darts. I may go with the Titans at 40 to 1. Maybe Derrick Henry can hold that team together. But that's not a bad one to take. That's not a bad one to take. And of course, this year I will be making my parlay picks. I'm going to do my massive parlay and see what happens just for fun. Just for fun. That's it. I'm not trying to call myself a big-time prognosticator. No, nah, that's not what I'm doing. It's just for fun. And speaking of fun, as I am done with the NFL and hopefully uh, my draft goes well. I got a draft tomorrow night and a draft on Wednesday. I hope I'm able to get it done. I'm happy for the ACC and mostly my Pitt Panthers to get the win in the backyard brawl at Acrisure Stadium. 38-31 over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Now, in Acrisure Stadium, I'm not quite sure about this record of, oh, it's the largest attendance ever for a football game, but I guess when you allow standing room only with the students, okay, I'll give it to you. But that was a game that I was really worried about the Pittsburgh Panthers. 
You know, I mean, it was close. That's what I was thinking in my mind, that it was going to be close. But in the ACC, only four teams have lost. Out of the 14 teams, 10 of them won. Syracuse, Florida State, NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson, North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Pitt, and Virginia. All won. Good start for the ACC. I'm very happy. I mean, I root for Pitt, number one. Florida State, number two. Then after that, I just want the ACC to win. I mean, when they're playing each other, obviously only one of them can win. But if they're playing non-conference opponents, I always want the ACC to win. Now, I still I still love my Big East, Boston College and Virginia Tech. Or was it Miami? Man, I, it was so long ago. Ruined it for me when they left the Big East to join the ACC. And then other schools followed, including my alma mater, Pitt. But now I'm all in with the ACC. We just need to get Notre Dame football in there. It'll probably never happen. Never happen. But let's, let's you know, FSU getting that dramatic win, blocking that extra point in their win over LSU. No Ed Orgeron there anymore. Go Tigers. Nope. It was all about the Seminoles. And the Panthers getting the uh, pick six to win their backyard brawl made me very happy. Made me very, very, very happy. All right, last thing I'm going to end on is Major League Baseball. And as we get closer and closer to October baseball, which, by the way, you know you're going to hear me talk about every year. October is the best month in sports, hands down. Hands down. But it's going to come down to the last games. The last games of the season. I feel like the Orioles, their shot at making the wild card, I don't I don't know if they can get hot. They've lost three in a row, five and five in their last ten. They're four and a half back of the wild card race. Tampa Bay and the Seattle Mariners, they're up a half a game on the Toronto Blue Jays right now. In the National League, the Braves look like they could lock up wild card, but I mean, they also could win the division too. Phillies, I'm always rooting against the Phillies and Bryce Harper. San Diego Padres, maybe they're going to make it, but you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. getting suspended for the rest of the season, that put a damper on that. But you know what? I wonder if that's why they made that deal for Juan Soto. They knew that this was coming down the pipe. And they were like, nah, we got to trade for another bat. We're not going to have Fernando Tati, so we need somebody else or else our playoff hopes are done. And since he was available, let's go for it. But the Milwaukee Brewers, they also have a chance to win the wild card. The Yankees should win a division, but Toronto and Tampa Bay are creeping up on them. The Cleveland Guardians, Twins, and Chicago White Sox will all be vying for the Central. Houston Astros, they're running away with that. 
Mets and Braves are near the top in the NL East. I think the Cardinals don't need to worry about the Brewers. And the Dodgers certainly don't need to worry about the Padres. But the key is, for me, when I look at the uh, possibilities, the Dodgers are favored at plus 360 to win the World Series. The race that I would look at is, or the bets that I might make are for division winner. NL East, Mets are favored at minus 280. Braves are at plus 225. Maybe take the Braves. Another good bet is the White Sox. Plus 240 to win the AL Central. Guardians favored at minus 120. Twins at plus 200. So there's some options there that you can consider. Now, to win the American League, Houston Astros are favored at plus 175. Yankees plus 220. A sleeper. Maybe the Twins plus 3,000? No. Guardians? No. Mariners at plus 850? Yes. Blue Jays at plus 600? Yes. I might go for that. To represent the National League? Dodgers at plus 170, but I might take the Mets at plus 250 if they can get healthy. Another good sleeper pick is the Cardinals at plus 900. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. It's going to be fun as it gets down to the end. Um, as I think about some of the wild picks that are possible. Shohei Otani to win the Cy Young Award, even though it's most likely going to go to Justin Verlander. He's favored at minus 150, but I'd take a sleeper pick on him. Why not? I mean, Justin Verlander's hurt right now. Probably not because, unfortunately, the Angels are not winning. So it's just throwing away money, thinking that there's a possibility. There's no possibility. Rookie of the year. Oh, that's Spencer Strider of the Braves, minus 350. He's going to get that. There's no need to even look anywhere else. But I am excited about Major League Baseball race coming down to, I think, going to be the last game of the season. It's going to be tight, and it's going to be fun. And I feel like sports, just like school, uh, which I know that's kind of corny to talk about school right now, but you know it's getting into the full swing. Kids are in school. And now we're getting into the, the heart of the football season and the pennant race. It's going to be great. All right, that'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke Davis. Enjoy week one in the NFL. I'll be back with you Thursday, too. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use. 
and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today.